Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, David Apple. Uh, head of customer success and sales at Notion. Well, welcome, David. Thanks. Great to be here. Good to catch up with you. Uh, so it's been uh, we met last year or caught up last year in San Francisco when we were doing SaaS West Coast, when we were able to run in-person conferences at the time in a, in a pre sort of uh, coronavirus uh, world, and uh, and actually uh, I guess known each other for a, a few years, and uh, you've been. Uh, attending or speaking at a few SaaS conferences uh, in, in the past, uh, so uh, nice to nice to catch up after less just less than a year. How uh, I guess how, how are you? First of all, how how are things in San Francisco with uh, obviously everything that's going on with uh, with coronavirus? Yeah, um, I'm doing it. I think as well as as uh, I can be doing. <laughs> this is my fifth week working from home now, so I'm growing out the beard and uh, haven't had a, a proper haircut in, in too long. Uh, and adding to the stress for me personally, my wife is due in less than six weeks. So um, with the situation in the hospitals, it's always a little stressful. Yeah. But besides that, um, I think like feeling positive. Uh, I'm fortunate that my family and I are healthy and also fortunate to be working for a company, uh, Notion, that uh, will survive the crisis. And um, so overall feeling uh, gratitude and stress. <laughs> Gratitude and stress. <laughs> All right, good, good stuff. Well, well, look, David. Obviously, I know I know you, um, but uh, you know, for our audience, uh, we got some insights that you're in San Francisco, that you're expecting a baby, uh, that you've got five weeks of facial hair. Um, uh, <laughs> but who, who who are you? Like, who is David Apple uh, as a person, and how how have you ended up, uh, um, you know, in San Francisco working for Notion? What's a little bit of your background and your journey? Sure, um, I'll, I'll keep it. Uh, I'll try to keep it relatively short, but uh, so I'm actually, uh, I was born in the U.S., but I grew up in France, so I'm a dual citizen, um, and uh, I went to university to study mechanical engineering and worked as a mechanical engineer for eight years of my career uh, in France and in London. Uh, then I I did an MBA because I wanted to get more on the customer-facing side of things, and uh, after my MBA, I moved to Israel where I started working in tech. Uh, my first role was implementation where it married kind of the technical experience, like the mechanical engineering uh, with the business side. And then I evolved towards uh, a sales role. I ended up VP sales of that startup. Um, uh, it was a great two years. Then I moved to Barcelona with uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine and uh, just got lucky and met the founders of Typeform through a mutual friend. And, uh, and then kind of, uh, was at the right place at the right time. Joined Typeform to run sales. Uh, at Typeform, our biggest challenge was actually not top of the funnel, but rather retention. So the founders asked me to refocus and focus on customer success and how to figure out uh, how to retain our customers better, uh, which was an amazing journey for those almost five years. The last year of that uh, was after we raised our Series B at Typeform, we uh, decided to open an office in San Francisco, and uh, the founders asked me if I'd be willing to move here and open up the office. Uh, so I did that for a year, uh, and uh, long story short, um, I was fortunate the, the COO of Notion was hiring for sales and customer success and had heard somehow good things about me. 
uh, and reached out to me and Notion just felt like too good of an opportunity to, to miss out on. So, um, so I've been at Notion for the past year. Uh, my role when I joined was sales and customer success. Uh, the first year I was fully focused on sales because we didn't have enterprise customers. It didn't really make sense to build out a customer success team without enterprise customers. And uh, the first year went uh, better than expected. So now we've built out the sales team and uh, I'm refocusing now away from sales. We have a great sales team in place and I'm focusing now on the customer success side of things. Okay, awesome. And, and for those that don't know Notion, what is it? Uh, give some background into what it does, um, how old the company is, the size of the company, is it venture backed, uh, and so on? Sure. So when I joined Notion, there were 13 of us. Um, that I had used Notion for two years at Typeform before I actually bought it at Typeform <laughs> uh, before I joined Notion. So I was familiar with the product. It's a really great product. It's, uh, it's basically an all-in-one workspace where you can have your notes, your docs, your tasks, your projects, and kind of like your whole internal knowledge base or wiki. Uh, so I ended up using it for everything at, at Typeform and uh, excited to, to join them. Um, the, the company has grown in the past year from, as I mentioned, 13 to, uh, there's a little bit under 50 of us now. Uh, we don't share our revenue publicly, but we, we recently, just last week, uh, raised a round of investment where we raised uh, $50 million at a $2 billion valuation. Um, so it's, again, I just feel very lucky to be part of this journey. Um, having joined early and seen, I was the first hire for sales and customer success. Uh, at, which was the same case at Typeform. And um, yeah, no, uh, no, anything else that I forgot? <laughs> no, 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 I, th I think that's good. You, you seem to have a nose uh, for a good company and, and, and good timing uh, uh, as well. Um, and uh, you love a product-led growth uh, company. So both like Typeform and Notion are, are, are great platforms, um, and certainly from a, a user yeah. experience perspective. Yeah, actually, w w one thing that's really interesting about both of those companies is uh, they're both have a freemium model. So very bottoms up, uh, people can start using it for free. And uh, once they get value, they can choose to upgrade to get more value. Um, and uh, what else was I going to say about them? Uh, yes, they're, they're both uh, horizontal products. So in the sense that, you know, if you're buying, um, uh, I don't know, a marketing automation tool, your persona is uh, the VP of marketing that you're trying to sell to. At Typeform and at Notion, uh, everybody from the company can use those tools. So it presents um, a larger opportunity because you can sell to everybody, but it also presents a larger challenge of like, who do we market to? Who do we build features to? Uh, what's our sales pitch? Uh, stuff like that. Awesome. Awesome. So we want to... Um You've given us a bit of your background to Notion and, and the story of you joining them and, and also, I guess, the, the, the growth and, I mean, incredible valuation of, uh, you know, on that on that last round to a team of 50 people at, uh, at, at a two billion valuation company. But I think it, it goes to show, uh, again, I think just in terms of like uh, the excitement around the product, the company, the uh, the great product itself, um, you, you know, uh, and, and kind of seeing that kind of grow, um, it, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, like I would say like the hot company, hot SAS right now, in my opinion. So we're picked a winner. Uh, we're yet to see if you guys, you guys win, but, uh, you're certainly, uh, you, you know, kind of on, on that path. So as you said, like you've built out the customer success and sales function, uh, more focus on, on CSM, uh, at the moment, uh, and obviously your, your backgrounds and, uh, uh, in customer success is uh, 
uh, is second to none. So we want to really um, talk a little bit about um, you know the return of investment uh, of a CSM and kind of get your your views uh, your, uh, on that. And so if you want to kind of share that and, uh, and and let's kind of take that from there. Yeah, I have a controversial uh, opinion around the ROI of a, of a CSM. Um, I basically, my I, I wrote a, an article about this, but I believe that uh, nobody is able to calculate or can calculate uh, reliably the ROI of the CSM. And that's because uh, to calculate the return on investment of an individual in a team, uh, you need to know the. You need to be able to calculate the impact that they're making, and you need to know what the baseline was before that person was on the team, or if that person was not on the team. And, um, and we can go into more detail, but basically, I, I don't think that we are able to uh, calculate that baseline, and I also don't think we can capture all of the impact that a CSM makes. With that viewpoint, how do you start to scale uh, a CSM uh, sort of yeah. organization? So the uh, so the the perspective I have is uh, we all know that f- for sure customer success brings value to a SaaS business because it's a recurring revenue and to keep people paying every month or every year uh, they need to be successful with the product and that's the purpose of the customer success team especially in a product driven company so the question is not whether or not we should have a customer success team but rather how big should that team be and um, basically what I what I suggest is having a kind of a mental model of uh, how we have uh, a certain idea of the size of the portfolio of customers that a CSM can handle. Uh, what if we increase that portfolio by 50%? Uh, what touch points would we remove? And how would that uh, ratio of like um, the total, the cost efficiency of the CSM versus the impact that they make, how does that change as you add 50% more accounts? Or if you remove 50%, of the accounts and uh, some large companies may have the luxury of actually experimenting with that. But most companies, certainly the companies I've worked for don't have the scale where you can actually do that. So it's more uh, once a quarter or twice a year or whatever, uh, go through your, your customer journey and your touch points and think about the size of the portfolio of customers that each CSM manages and just go through the mental model of saying like, uh, what if we increase that by 50%? What if we reduce that by 50% and then uh, remove touch points, add other touch points, and basically uh, aim to be as cost effective as possible while not removing the whole impact that you can make? Within Notion, if you're kind of happy to share, then so the, you came in to head up customer success and sales. What did the team look like? Did you inherit a team? Were you the first hire? Uh, within that space, and then how did you go about then over this last year building out uh, building out that team? So I, I was the first hire, which is exciting and also challenging because there's literally everything to do from the first sales pitch to choosing a CRM to changing CRMs <laughs> uh, to like signing up for Calendly, like every everything. Um, I think that the first question I asked myself was, what does my focus need to be? Because I'm alone and therefore there's only so much I can do. Um, Should my focus be on expanding our existing customers? Should my focus be on landing new customers? And uh, should my focus be on landing new customers that are kind of low friction to land? So like we have a team plan and we were building an enterprise plan. Should I be focused on selling the team plan or the enterprise plan? 
Uh, and ultimately what we landed on uh, after a bunch of back and forth was my unique focus was landing new customers onto our enterprise plan. If I landed a deal on the team plan, I didn't even report it. Uh, it I would consider that to be a failure. And the goal was to learn uh, why I was closing certain deals and why I was losing other deals uh, so that we can continuously iterate. Uh, I guess the, the mindset was if we're going to be a large successful company, which hopefully we're on the, the track of, of being that now, um, we need to figure out how to go at market. We need to have an enterprise sales motion as, you know, the great companies, um, you know, like Slack and Zoom, they all do that very well. And that's part of why they've been so successful. Um, so that's why my focus was that. So it, it was less about maximizing the amount of revenue I could actually generate and more about uh, how do we learn as much as possible in the short term so that we're setting ourselves up for success in the long term. Were there any specific sort of retention challenges that you've sort of like faced and then uh, solved problems? Or has it been like pretty, like once you've got a customer, they're, they're just kind of sticking around and, uh, and growing? So again, I think in the idea of focus, um, retention is obviously something we could work on, but our net retention is actually above 100%. So it didn't feel like a, a big problem uh, or be like uh, that I could make a clear measurable impact by focusing on that. So rather than doing like dabbling in all the different areas, I just said, that's not, I'm not even going to think about that yet. And, um, and only now am I starting to think about those things uh, a year later when I'm focused on customer success. Is it typical um, that, you know, somebody uh, let's say of your seniority you know, comes in as that first hire of, of, of customer success and sales. So isn't it normally you get somebody maybe a little bit more kind of like junior or generalist uh, and, and so on. But um, what, what was the, what was the rationale uh, there for, for, for notion to, to, to hire you? Yeah, I think it's abnormal from both perspectives. So maybe I'll share um, both of my perspectives. One is, um, I, I was a VP at the pre, two previous uh, roles I was at. Uh, so I have certain expectations in terms of compensation and often startups um, can't afford that uh, or don't want to pay that yet. So it makes more sense for them to hire somebody a little bit more junior and, uh, and maybe have somebody that's more experienced as an advisor that can just pop in every once in a while and make sure things are going on the right track. So that's a little bit of normal, but Notion, when they hired me, uh, were already profitable and therefore could, af could afford a little bit more than, uh, than the average startup at 13 people. Um, and then from my perspective, I'm a little bit weird as well <laughs> in the sense that um, my favorite, you know, I think there's like uh, my favorite part of the journey I had with Typeform. I joined Typeform when there were 15 people as well. Uh, my favorite part of the journey was building at the beginning. Uh, and uh, I think... Uh, of course, there's an ego thing when you build a large team at Type 4. My team was 40 people, and uh, and I also love managing people and motivating them. And so, I enjoy that part of the journey. But really, my favorite part is is the early stage. So, I didn't see starting as the number one person as uh, a negative. I actually saw it as this is like an amazing opportunity that uh, literally only comes around once per company. So, um, so that's why I jumped on the opportunity. But I think most people. Uh, who had been a VP at a larger company um, might see that as too risky and might wait, prefer to wait a little bit longer after like a series A or series B to, to join. What I'm seeing a lot of at the moment, um, you, you know, given in terms of like 
companies leading themselves through you, you know the, these kind of strange and uncertain times. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of the, uh, the the kind of good advice or, or one piece of advice that often stands out is around talking to your customers and even more so uh, at, at, at this time. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that uh, like Notion has adopted? And then how do you go about that? Because I imagine that you have thousands of customers from you know small people uh, or small businesses through to the bigger businesses. So do you only talk to the big guys, or, or like, how, how how does it work? Yeah, um, I'd I'd start by saying that at Notion we have a really great culture, which starts from our founders. Of uh, they really are obsessed about knowing what our customers want and what the feedback is, and we have this great feedback loop process between all the teams and the founders and mainly the product team. Um, so that we're always, the voice of the customer is always something that's present. We even have uh, Sesame Street stuffed animals that we put in meeting rooms and they represent our customers. Uh, so that we're like the customer's always in the room and we should always be thinking about them. So definitely something that we think a lot about. And I think, uh, I imagine a big part of the early success before I joined of making a great product that people love. Um, and then, so when I joined, uh, I, I, the first month I just scheduled uh, a lot of calls. I think it was just under 50, uh, with customers to learn about, um, to learn what I could learn about them and about our product. And so the customers I chose to speak with were the customers that were most relevant for what I was trying to learn. So it tended to be the larger customers. Uh, when I also trained on the support team, I was supporting all types of, uh, customers. So I still learned from everybody. But uh, because my focus was on how do I close large deals, I tended to speak with larger companies to see what was working for them with Notion, what wasn't, and what features were, they were missing, stuff like that. I've just kind of seen anecdotally and heard, and I haven't necessarily spoken to too many companies that are necessarily kind of going through this. But like, again, like through, through these times, like one thing like uh, a lot of businesses are doing are, are cutting costs, right? Um, and, and with that, they're looking through the SaaS tools that they use and like seeing, you know, you know, which ones are kind of critical, but we're cutting across across the board, you know? Um, uh, and so therefore there, there are a lot of SaaS tools that then are probably suffering right now. Um, you, you know, uh, uh, a lot of churn. Um, and, uh, I don't know if you're seeing that again, like through the, the ecosystem in San Francisco, but, um, have you got any, any kind of like thoughts and advice in terms of what companies could do to mitigate against that? Is there anything that you can do? Um, well, what are your thoughts? And has, has Notion experienced uh, any any of these kind of problems? So we're pretty, again, fortunate at Notion that um, Notion is a very sticky product. Once you've implemented it, uh, you have all of your documentation in there and uh, you're kind of less likely to, to want to churn. Um, what we've seen more of is contraction, where some of our customers, unfortunately, um, are facing tough times and have to let people go. And as a result, they reduce the amount of seats they have in Notion. Uh, we haven't seen a large up increase in churn uh, as of yet, but uh, I think like I think that could be coming. Like the trends are going upward, so if April the trend continues from March, we'll we'll see we'll see that. And your other question, oh, any advice for? Um, yeah, SaaS companies that are facing like a lot of churn right now, just because yeah. like business is going out out of business, can't do much about that. But maybe yeah. they're cutting costs. Is there anything that you can be proactive around uh, to kind of help, like make sure that you're not one of the SaaS apps that are being cut? Yeah, I, well, I think uh, if hopefully you've been doing this 
throughout your uh, relationship with your customer, but basically making sure you're demonstrating value, showing them like the analytics of how they're using your product and the value that they're getting out of it. Um, I think that's that's one thing that's important and and sometimes people don't either don't know how to find that information or don't understand how to analyze it. Um, and then I guess another thing, like it, of course it depends on the health of your own financial situation, but um, I think just being having empathy for for your customers. So some customers may say, "Hey, I really don't want to stop using your tool, but we literally cannot afford it. Uh, it's either we use your tool or we let go of like two more people." Um, so maybe it's being a little bit having the empathy and saying, "Well, you know, we'll give you a buy for the next like two three months," because in SaaS the business model is such that our incremental costs of having that extra customer are not really that high. Uh, whereas uh, if they churn and then, you know, I, I don't know, it, it feels like that's an opportunity for building a stronger, longer term relationship. But of course some companies can't afford to do that. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't have any like specific tactical advice rather, but just listen to your customers and uh, see how you can help their business. Cool. No, it's good. Good, good advice. Um, fi final kind of couple of questions as I know we come to the, the, the end of the show. Uh, given that you've got a good eye or a good ear for a, for a hot SaaS company, um, what are your uh, uh, next kind of tips, uh, if, you, if you have any, or exciting SaaS companies that people should be looking for to either use uh, as a product because uh, Typeform and Notion are, are, are kind of great to use uh, or, or maybe even apply for a, a career app because uh, David Apple says they're the next big thing. <laughs> uh, Notion. Okay. <laughs> You're hiring <laughs> then. Notion. We're hiring a lot uh, for now uh, in San Francisco, but eventually and hopefully in more places. But uh, yeah, definitely Notion. Um, I think there, there's a lot of great products out there uh, that, that I admire. Um, I really like what the team at eFounders uh, does, the team out of uh, Paris. Uh, they've built a lot of great products, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a few more that are just coming out uh, that I think um, the concept is, is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, then the rest would be our competitors, so I don't think I'll mention them. But thanks for asking. I think, uh, you know, there, there is a part of like, I love uh, beautiful products and products that I feel uh, have helped me. Uh, but there's a huge part of luck in this. Uh, you know, I joined uh, both Typeform and Notion before they raised a, like an official round. And, um, and so it could have really gone either way. The company I joined in Israel um, didn't go well. And um, I think I, I, I got lucky. Two out of three, <laughs> not bad. Two, two, yeah. two good ones. Um, and, and the kind of final question, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm sort of tweaking it. I have to say, how, how do you, uh, how do we, uh, you know, how do you stay healthy and sane? Um, you, you know, mm -hmm. as you're kind of, you, you know, in the position that you are, like running business. Um, uh, in, in this instance, I'm going to say, how do you stay healthy and sane in times of, you know, being in lockdown and like coronavirus and uh, and, and so on. So what have you been doing? What's your way to, mm -hmm. to, to stay uh, fit, uh, both body and mind? Yeah. Um, great question. I failed my first two weeks and then realized that I had to change things and, uh, and I've been better since then. Uh, I think what I've learned, there's a few things that I've learned. One is um, the first week I would just, you know, normally you have a meeting, you get up from your desk, you go to your meeting room, you come back, like you're kind of moving around. At home, you're always in the same place. And I would sit for like virtually eight to 10 hours straight, except for like a bathroom break and a lunch break. 
Um, and that's not good. So I've been forcing myself to get up more often. Uh, I also have started more of a routine of getting up a little bit extra early, doing like some morning stretches and also mentally, uh, I stopped thinking of this as like, how do I survive this week? Uh, and it kind of like, if you're in survivor mode, I think you're kind of waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel, which we never know when that's going to be. And that's a little bit, uh, frustrating. And I think it's, it, I think it's exhausting if that's the mindset. Uh, whereas I've shifted my mindset a little bit more to, uh, I don't know how long this is going to last and I'm just going to make the most of this and set this up in a way that I'm enjoying it rather than I'm just surviving it. Uh, so I went to our, to our office and grabbed my office chair and monitor and set up a nice desk for myself. And, um, and I just feel a lot more comfortable now than I did in the first couple of weeks. Um, but I, yeah, so th- those would be my, that's my own personal experience. Yeah. Well, no, appreciate you, you sharing that. And I mean, similarly, um, you know, that first week, uh, where we, everybody went remote, uh, I noticed myself and a lot of the team were complaining about how tired they were and the headaches and stuff. Uh, and because we, 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 as you said, we're not moving around. We were just sitting down for eight hours and not taking enough breaks and being on video calls all day or whatever. And it, it was just exhausting, right? Even though we weren't physically moving as much, you know, they, it was making uh, everybody more tired, but we, we've got a lot better at that. And I, it, and I, I've incorporated a bit of a routine, you know, into my day, ensuring like morning exercise and taking a lunch break with the family, you know, even if it's for 30, 45 minutes and uh, trying not to work all hours uh, uh, as well. Right. So, um, you know, give a bit of, uh, uh, see yeah. the family uh, like after work. So that, that, that's important. That's, that's good advice. Having, I, I, I'm, so my wife and actually my mother-in-law are, are here. And uh, so it's easier for me to like get up and just spend time with them. I, I have a lot of empathy or uh, for people who are like living in a studio on their own or a one bedroom on, on their own. I think that makes it even tougher, but yeah, having like a, at whatever time I'm done working and I close my computer and I, I'm social, uh, but again, virtually, <laughs> uh, I think it, it, that's a really good tip from you. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to change the question. Uh, how do you stay healthy and, and sane in lockdown with your mother-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> she like, she's genuinely awesome. I'm not just saying that she can't hear me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, no, I, we're really lucky. She's been like doing a lot of the like house chores. She did definitely pulls her own weight and uh, she's a lot of fun. So you, you, um, you, you're just worried that she subscribes to the SAS revolution uh, show. So. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure well, now I'm definitely going to send her this video. <laughs> All right. Good. 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 Good idea. All right. Well, uh, David Apple, um, you know, it's been uh, fantastic catching up with you and, and um, you, you know, uh, for you to kind of share your, your insights and learnings, uh, you know, from, uh, from notion and thoughts around CSM to, to our audience. So thanks so much for being a guest on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, if you enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you think it's worth five stars. Just to note uh, or announce that we have SaaS Stock Remote, which is our first virtual conference taking place on June the 10th and 11th. From a time frame perspective, it's going to be accessible to a global audience. So we're going to accommodate our global listenership of the SaaS Revolution Show. We're going to include a lot of our usual 
content, although it's going to be new content around, you know, how do you build, grow, scale a SaaS company. Additionally, we're going to be covering topical content around dealing with crisis, dealing with coronavirus, amongst other things. We're going to have uh, be joined by great speakers like Thomas Tungus, David Scott, Mark Roberge, Christoph Jans, uh, amongst uh, many others. So the, from the content side of things, it's going to be uh, super exciting, interesting, valuable. Uh, additionally, there's going to be great networking opportunities. There's going to be a virtual expo. We're going to be doing private roundtables, investor matchmaking, the full startup program. So if you've ever been to a conference expect many of the uh, the same things but also some new and exciting additions so june the 10th and 11th that sas.com remote our first online conference go to sas.com forward slash remote for more details and we hope to see you there